Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Some of you will uh, see this and you're already freaking out because we haven't spelt it right. Uh, because we failed to leave a space between two words, all the grammar. And you know what? I hope it's an image that unsettles and disturbs you for the rest of your life. <coughs> and this is why. Because I want it to be a reminder, this series that we've designed is a reminder to every single one of us um, that there are no gaps in God's story. There are no gaps in God's story. There are no spaces. And with that, I want to say that there are no gaps in your story. And there are no spaces in the story between you and God. Some of you sitting here today, some of us, and all of us have gone through the time where we feel like there are spaces, where we feel like there are gaps, where we feel like there is a sense of of uncertainty but I want to suggest and our story our series over the next um, eight weeks is suggesting that God is creating something as part of the bigger story it's not the bigger story it's not the biggest story it's the biggest story it's all connected and it's all part of what God is doing in you through you and for you Every story whispers his name. And when I say every story, I mean every story in Scripture, I mean every story in every life, and I mean every story that's take, uh, that has formed your life, is shaping your life, and every story that you're a part of at the moment, every story whispers his name. Now, whether you're new to church, you might be exploring church, you might be exploring this idea of who Jesus is, we want to encourage you and part of our foundation, part of our vision is that we're part of transforming our community in the name of Jesus. And that means regardless of how long you've been a part of this faith journey, you're still being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. That's what our hope and our vision is. And in this series, it's a, it's a story of God constantly revealing himself that's always pointing to the promise and the hope of Jesus. And today I want to, I know that some of you expected Glenda to uh, come up and introduce this series, start this series due to various circumstances. Glenda wasn't able to. Um, so I'm, I'm launching into this series and today I want to do a fly over some big ideas and you can look it up on New Version or read through your Bibles yourselves and, and look at the biggest ideas along with me and then I want to hopefully land it with a, a couple of tangible images for you. So like every good story, there needs to be a beginning. And the beginning begins at the source, which is Genesis. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. And we can, I'm not interested in how that happened. Just, can we just start with that? All right? Let's not get bogged down. In the, however you think that took shape... This is the overarching 
event that happens. We can all live with that, yeah? Six of us can, great. Um, Chapter 1, verse 31 goes on, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. All that he had made, it was very good. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we see this move into chapter 2, which changes the description and even offers some deeper details, if you like, into the unfolding nature of this creation. In chapter 2, verses 15 to 18, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame who would love that (laughs) again six of us you know Um, (laughs) now my so some questions might be happening there for, for some of us why did God make Adam aware of the tree Why didn't he just put the flaming swords around it? Why didn't God protect Adam from the tree? Why didn't God protect creation from the tree? Why didn't he just say, well, here's the tree you can eat from and everything else, go forth, tend it, um, look after it, till it, uh, multiply it, increase, steward what I've given you? Great questions. And I don't think it would have mattered because I think at some point, I think at some point the enemy would have come along and sown doubts into hearts and minds and it would have come along in this question, did God really say? And I know this because I hear this question so often in so many different lives. It's expressed in different ways. I'm not sure what God wants me to do, I'm not sure what he tells me to do, I'm not sure how I'm meant to be doing it, I'm not... All sorts of different ways. So the ultimate question is, did God really say? At some point, there would have been this question asked. And even further to that, the question that might have been sown into our hearts, into our spirits, would have been something along the lines of, is God really interested? Does God really care? Can I really trust God? Or if God was who he said he was and he's done all that we, some people believe that he's done, then why dot, 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 dot? And they're not necessarily unhealthy, unbiblical, ungodly questions to ask, but they're often questions that lead us away from God rather than draw us into the heart of the Father. Because I think God's actually big enough to handle those questions. <laughs> Just often we're not mature enough to trust him with them. And ultimately, God has placed within us, from creation, God has placed within us the capacity to choose or reject the authority that he has over our lives and over all of creation. In case you didn't get it, God has placed within us the capacity the capacity to choose or but to reject or accept his authority. 
So keep moving through the story. The women, the woman and the man eat fruit. They become aware of their nakedness. They're filled with shame. And you see this, their identity shifts in chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Whole story short, man blames woman, woman blames serpent. Um, In disobedience, dishonor and shame, there's a new reality that's taken form. The relationship has been broken because people ultimately haven't trusted what God said. But there is a promise. And it's a promise that we can often miss or glance over or even ignore or get confused about and it's the promise that says this in Genesis chapter 3 when God sets out the new order if you like Genesis chapter 3 so the Lord God said to the serpent because you have done this cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity or offense or hardship or tension um all of those words, between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush... See, see this shift here? When, when you read, and sometimes the English doesn't always pick it up, but look at the shift here. Let me read verse 15 again. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between you and your offspring and hers. And then it becomes really personal. Notice, did you notice that? He will crush your head. Let it sink in. You with it yet? I don't know. Do I need to get you put your hands on your head or raise your arms? First half of verse 15 is between um, the serpent, the offspring of the serpent, and Eve's offspring, hers. And then God says something really personal and singular He will crush your head. So there's already a promise all the way back in creation. Have you got it yet? Go and read it. Go and read Hebrew. Um, That should be fun. Listen to this. While the enemy might cause bruising, God will have the victory. While the enemy might cause bruising, God will have the victory. The enemy is going to strike at the heel of of creation. Uh, The enemy strikes and causes damage. The enemy strikes and causes bruising. The enemy causes heartache. The enemy causes... uh, dissatisfaction the enemy causes heartache and and grief the enemy causes a whole lot of things but God has the promise that he will strike the head of the enemy and if you strike the head you're in a whole lot of trouble aren't you God promises to strike the head of the enemy through the seed or the offspring of Eve from whom all humanity comes and in the midst of all this we are deceived into believing that God is disinterested, disengaged and disconnected. We're deceived into believing that we cannot come to God in our vulnerability, in our nakedness, in our disappointments, in the things that have hurt us and upset us and so we hide from God. Or we might still give the impression that we're connected to God. We do all the right things and other people looking at us can give the impression, oh yes, they're great Christians or they're doing all the right things. And yet, really, we hide our deepest darkest most broken parts from God 
the parts where we feel most vulnerable and most naked. The very moment, the very time where we, we would do better to actually step forward and say, God, I don't know what happened here. I got carried away. I missed the boat. I believed something I shouldn't have believed. I held on to something that I shouldn't have held on to. I allowed something to dominate me more than I allowed you to have the authority over my life. And if we read the Old Testament, we read the Hebrew Scriptures, we become unsettled or confused by the violence and the unsettling way in which God seems to work throughout history, except if we were to read the text um, constantly, if we read constantly throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, you will find two words that changed the course of history and changed the whole perception of the Old Testament. Constantly throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, you hear two words simply, I will. See, we, we, we often think about all the energy that we've got to bring. And certainly there's, there's a part that we have to play. God invites participation from us. But that's out of what God is doing, has done, will do. That's the blessing. That's the promise. He can only do that in full obedience. There's no doubt about that. But that's what God will do. And if, when you read through that lens, you see it through every book. Weaving God's love and purposes together. Every book, every prophecy, every poem, every historical document in the Old Testament. Every story whispers His name. And all of it is weaving God's love and purposes together, promising to bless His people through whom He will bless all nations. Now that's certainly changing and the look of that constantly changes, the expression of that constantly changes, but that doesn't take away the initial promise that God will bless His people so that they can be a blessing to all nations. See friends, we're not designed to come in and just get the blessing and feel good about ourselves. It's never about feeling good about ourselves. We're designed to come in, give glory and honour and thanksgiving to God, being generous with all that He has given us, and then that's meant to move out through us and be a blessing to others. If we come into this space, if we go into our quiet time with God thinking that it's about what I need to get or what I need to have or my wants and dreams, we're missing the point. It's about what God wants to do in us and through us to bless those around us. What God will do. But it's the way that God will claim the victory that surprises and catches us off guard. And it caught the disciples off guard. It caught all of history off guard. The prophet Isaiah speaks of God restoring creation to himself. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. If you haven't looked at the Passion Translation, um, it's, a, it's a great translation to explore and just get a, a richer, if you like, understanding of some of the scriptures. So Isaiah 53, uh, 1-5, and then verses 11-12. to 12, Who has truly believed our revelation? To whom will Yahweh reveal his mighty arm? Yahweh being another word for um, I am or God. 
He sprouted up like a tender plant before the Lord, like a root in parched soil. He possessed no distinguishing beauty or outward splendor to catch our attention, nothing special on his appearance to make us desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of deep sorrows who was no stranger to suffering and grief. We hid our faces from him in disgust and considered him a nobody, not worthy of respect. Excuse me. And he goes on in verses 11 to 12. Oh no, sorry, still verse 4. Yet he was the one who carried our sicknesses and endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done as one who was struck down by God and brought low. But it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced and because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole. And his, in his wounding, we found our healing. By knowing him, the righteous one, my servant will make many to be righteous. That is, in right relationship. You are restored, you are made whole. By knowing him, the righteous one, my servant will make many to be righteous because he, their sin bearer, carried away their sins so i yahweh will assign to him a portion among a great multitude and he will triumph and divide the spoils of victory with his mighty ones all because he poured out his lifeblood to death he was counted among the worst of sinners yet he carried sin's burden for many and intercedes for those who are rebels now you're sitting here today some of you might be sitting here today going i'm not interested i've had enough god hasn't shown up I'm not sure about this. You can rebel all you like. God is still interceding for you. Go on, wrap your head around that one. And when you think you've got your head around it, try and wrap your heart around it. For all those who might be rejecting God or walking away from God, hear this. God is still interceding on your behalf. Guess what? He is still shaping your story. There are no gaps. There are no spaces. Jesus is the seed or the offspring of the first woman that has victory over the enemy. Jesus is the one who was born of a manger, who was despised, rejected, ignored, continues to be despised, rejected, ignored, abused, mocked, (laughs) sometimes by those in the church. And yet he continues to be the one who bore our sin our nakedness, our separation and our shame. He hung on a cross as a criminal and is raised to life as God's yes to the promise of new life, the possibility of new life that is available to all of us in him, through him. The possibility that God is still shaping life despite our mess, despite our nakedness, despite our shame, despite our guilt, despite our rebellion, God is still shaping our story. Every story whispers his name. Every story has the promise of new life in it. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, that is Jesus, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. 
The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, writes John in his letter. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Regardless of where you have been or what you have done, regardless of how afraid or how ashamed you feel, regardless of how much we have tried to cover up our mistakes, our nakedness and hide from our God, regardless of how much we've dismissed God because of how busy we are and how self-important we see ourselves to be, regardless of how many disappointments we carry or how much shame or hurt others might have placed upon us, God continues to shape and weave his story in you and through you. You are, I am, we are redeemed, restored and no longer under condemnation and there's nothing that can separate us from his love. And that's the promise from the beginning of creation. Throughout this week, uh, I had an image, and when I, when I talk about images, some of you might hear that and think, oh, what's he saying? For me, some people will see an image, but for me, when I have an image, it often comes in, in words. So for me, I had this uh, image or, or the word of a tapestry or a weaving uh, come to me. Now, Google said that was a tapestry. Um, it's a pretty fine, detailed uh, tapestry. I tried to look up, actually, I wanted a picture of the, the back of a tapestry or the back of weaving, um, and I typed in uh, back of weaving and ended up with lots of images of uh, hair braiding. Um, I typed in rear of tapestry and I ended up with lots of images of backsides. Um, it was, uh, I mean, crafting a message comes with a whole lot of heartache sometimes. You need to understand this. So this is, I want to, I guess, God shaping the world. So this is, a, this is a picture of a tapestry. Um, and we can appreciate the detail. We can appreciate, and if you've done a small tapestry or long stitch or weaving, you, you'll understand this more than I'll, and better than I'll explain it. Uh, and there's hours of work that goes into selecting colours and then putting the colours in the right spot, putting the thread in the right spot so it's not out of shape or not out of, not too dissimilar and, and continues, if you start in a spot and it's just a small and it looks insignificant and you, if you start in a spot, it doesn't matter how big your, your cloth is, you know, it could be that big or this big, you feel like you've got hours and hours and hours of work to do and you wonder how you'll ever finish it, yeah? And yet if you start and you just weave and you're faithful and you tie the knots in the right spot and, you, and what you discover, you look at all these colours that you end up with and then you can end up with something like that. I mean, we look at that finished detail and we go, where, where, where would you start? But once the finished details happen, where you start's not the point. <laughs> you get to enjoy the blessing of it. Each strand reveals more of the story. And sometimes the strands don't make sense until you see that. And the front is an incredible picture and yet the back of that, if we flip that over, which as I explained, I couldn't find the back of. Um, but if you flip that over and saw the back of it, the back of it, the image would look faint. It would be full of knots and leftover threads and perhaps the image wouldn't even make sense from the back of it. And I think sometimes that's how we view so much of our life. We're always looking at the back of it. 
Whereas looking at the knots and the leftover threads and the things that don't make sense and we forget that if we're looking at the back of it, God is still designing the front of it. And you might not see the full image until one day in glory and God says, hey, have a look at this and you're going to go... You might have walked away, you might have ignored God, you might have dismissed God, you might have disbelieved and dishonoured God because all you can see is the mess in the background. God is still weaving his story. Every story. And I mean every story. Even my story, your story, whispers God's name. I also thought about the image of a potter. Um, I typed in potter, guess what came up? Harry. <laughs> so, I don't want Harry Potter to be confused with a master potter. The master potter who is still creating life. The master potter is still shaping and you feel like you're a bit bent out of shape. Master pot, uh, the master potter has got you. He's still shaping and forming. I don't want you to leave misunderstanding this today that whatever is happening in your life right now and it could have been going on for years and maybe there's still years to go. Not to scare you but to remind you that the master potter is still shaping your story. Jeremiah chapter 8 verses 1 to 4 says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I'll give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Friends, there are times where you don't know what's happening and you think you're moving in a particular direction and all of a sudden that's all been upheaved almost cast aside and you wonder what on earth is happening there's a shaking that's taking place do not despair because God is still shaping your life and you might not yet see the final detail but it's still taking shape in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8 again the passion translation Yahweh you are our father we are like clay and you are our potter. Listen to this. This is why I chose this translation. Each one of us is the creative, artistic work of your hands. Each one of us is the creative, artistic work of your hands. See, throughout all of Scripture... God is revealing his heart for creation, for you. As the team come up, we'll uh, finish with King of Kings, thanks. See, in Jesus, he is the King of Kings. He is the full revelation of God's love, the desire for all of creation, including you and me, to be restored to himself. Without fear, without shame, without condemnation, and in the midst of our nakedness. Every story is redeemed, restored and made whole through the King of Kings. Every story whispers his name. 
your story whispers his name. The love of God. The promise of God. The hope of God. Your story is still being lovingly and heartbreakingly crafted and being revealed through the promises of Jesus.